We should have recorded this whole thing too. <laughs> listening tonight I got a feeling that the cards just ain't right I'm so salty must not give in to rage and I'm wondering what those rollers will say scarves to the left of me cheers to the right here I am gonna roll a derby tonight gonna roll a derby tonight gonna roll a derby tonight and welcome to this, your second episode of 2019 and about 24th episode all up of this Hidden City Roller Derby. Uh, I am your host Simkov and as always I'm joined by a motley crew of other rollers including West Coast Roller Butters. Howdy howdy. Glenn aka Remedy. Hello, how's it going? And the return of El Toriadorio. <laughs> if you're not into the whole brevity thing <laughs> yeah i'm here toro or birdo i guess we can call you i mean you can call me anything you want then we're closer than closer than that you know all right well i think the the l5r world does not stop and there has been an avalanche of things and stuff and other things that have happened in the last few weeks uh so we might just kick it off with the old uh new segments um so, I think there's been like five or six different like posts from FFG and videos from the community, and there's been tournaments. And to, to you, does it feel a bit like a girl going hot and cold? Like for the first six months of 2018, it was like we were getting the cold shoulder, and and now we're just getting getting lambasted with stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, we really seriously are. It's uh, it's pretty amazing to be perfectly honest. Uh, the the absolute avalanche of stuff that we're getting at the moment um and there's the promise of more to come but uh yeah maybe maybe it's a, a few months of hot stuff and then there'll be a another dry swell <laughs> <laughs> oh well relationships <laughs> yeah all right crane pack um did you check that out but you see the post that was all about this uh apparently the crane pack which is coming out after unicorn right um, yeah, if you know anything about me, you know I never read the actual article, just the headlines and the, the photos, because I'm a, I'm a, I have a brain age of a child, so I didn't really read any of the lore or any of that stuff, but I did check out all the new cards. Um, there was some great stuff in this pack, actually. Um, in terms of design, I feel really comfortable with the way they're taking the game. There's some really cool stuff. Did you have a look? Yeah, looks like dueling is, is a real thing now. Um, which is pretty exciting. There's a whole new stronghold, which is which makes dueling real. And it seems like there was another character that had an inbuilt duel. So there's lots and lots of passive duels around. So yeah, it feels like they're and actually honor, making it workable. The honor theme got a little bit of a boost, potentially anyway, with this dojo that lets you gain honor if you win duels, which is three in a turn. That's pretty amazing. It's a big. Yeah, it just depends on whether or not that victory condition reaches that point where it's actually a threat and if it does hit that point then that card will see play so i'm kind of excited i mean i miss honor victory from truth i like that that was part of old games suite of win conditions so i hope it becomes a reality i really do that dojo is 1.5 a year so 
Yeah, we're we're getting close to a good value there. <laughs> and the great the great purple yurt standard, <laughs> which every card should be measured by. There was uh, a bit of um, there was a bit of crazy response to one of these characters, the four drop, that lets you lock out a character from a signing for a round, uh, and it's a courtier and Shigenja. And what do you think should be the stats on this four drop? such that that ability is balanced well the answer ffg says is zero but it's kind of an interesting card like we haven't seen anything like this a four drop with zero stats before it's kind of crazy it's basically immune to dishonor though isn't it it's extra buffs (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think i think what's cool about it is that uh i guess like one of the concepts we haven't seen much of at all so far is the uh stopping people assigning uh and that was something that was for depending on the addition in the old L5R game, certainly stopping people assigning or or making there a cost to assigning to attack or assigning to defend was definitely a part of the old game, and I actually quite liked it. It kind of it was it made people make hard choices. Uh, in this particular version, the opponent doesn't really get a choice though. Isn't that? I think isn't that? I think it's pretty balanced. Like looking at it, the effect's really powerful and it's going to be obnoxious to play against, but expensive character i think it's one of those cards where the turn it comes out it may not threaten a lot but the turn after is the one you have to worry about but um didn't like when we were doing worlds testing we did try that um well at least i was trying that bird out of crane the five coster and that seemed to be quite a strong effect when if you could fire it um yeah 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 but he but he's also shigenja so he has the problem of he may get bowed by um, against the waves, uh, and also this card increases the value of dispatch. Funnily enough, for unicorn, so yeah, well, well, there's a reason for why it's limited. I was like, why is this card limited? But maybe you're right. Maybe they're pushing more of these able to assign, and so therefore you do need cards that can move you into or out of a conflict. I think one small side effect is that this is more anti-tower. Really effective against a two-drop. Like, oh, cool, you can't assign your... I mean, I guess the best character is probably like a border rider, right? But like, it's really... This card is there to deal with towers that you can't otherwise deal with. Guys like Mitsu with a finger of Jade or something. Speaking of Mitsu, though, you'll notice that, though, unfortunately, this guy is particularly susceptible to the old Void Fist. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't like taking punches to the stern. He, um, he, is, he is a frail man. Do you know what's funny? You could, you, so you could use smuggling deal with him, right? So you could be really obnoxious and like play two characters and play smuggling deal. Is that is that something you can do? Yes, you can, and that sounds like right up your alley, remedy. <laughs> is is smuggling deal? You give your opponent one of your honor, or do they just yeah, gain he, one? No, you give it to them. Okay, so you have to lose one. It's a bit expensive, but it can no, do some pretty horrible stuff. It, it doesn't matter. You've got 1.5 of a yurt sitting on your road. You, you'll get it back. <laughs> like, like it'll, it'll, it'll come back. Easy come, easy uh, so, so, but I think you were probably most excited, though. Was, was there a lion card spoiled that I saw in that pack? Yeah. You know, the best part about this card was I was asking a lot of the other top players what they thought about it, and they almost universally rated it a 3 out of 5 and just said, oh, yeah, it's mediocre. But when I saw this, I fell in love, despite the fact that she's got a B- Justin Bieber haircut. Like, I, that stat line in Lion 
you guys got to realize maybe relative to the rest of the card pool she's mediocre like five stats for three whatever but in line baby oh my god after like two cycles of getting fuck all this is a card i'm actually really excited about it's just so gonna smooth out our dynasty can you um is it true though like does she kind of make fallen in battle something more potential <laughs> dude you can yeah fuck yeah when why not i I don't know if I told you, Bert, but so 2019, this podcast is Lion positive. Uh, so each as Lion Clan to remind myself of how positive that gameplay experience can be. <laughs> and my recent my recent deck has been even the odds with Silla the Lion, with Voice of Honor as like the card that I'm trying to enable. Yeah. It's it, 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 Honestly, on your parade, man. Like, stay positive. <laughs> no, I think I think it's something to look at. Given that line will get um, like Crane Splash will be will get stronger, um, and this character fits right into that. So, three cost slot with a like I found with line the three cost slot was either Spirit Call or, or uh, Lion Pride Brawler. Uh, yeah, there's and, nothing else. And Ikahata, and Ikahata, well Ikahata, but yeah. um. <laughs> <laughs> but you could re- you could replace it with this, I guess. Yeah, so I think that's good for lion players, right? They they're getting. It seems like all the clan pack lion cards are quite good. Like, um, you in one of the packs, um, and who was I mean, the character? Who did you get in the Scorpio? This character is Scorp- probably you've got since Ujiaki, I would say. Yeah. Um, and you don't need. You need to read the reaction. Just look at the stat line and play play the card, and then occasionally she'll do some cool stuff. Right. Anti-quotes. The other thing I, I just want to say about this Crane pack, because Crane Crane was um my second favorite clan in the old game, and I had a really personal identif- I identified a lot with both the honorable clans, and seeing a whole pack devoted to a clan that I used to like play religiously is really cool. Because the other the clan packs so far are clans that I never really played that much in the old game, so it it does it. Man, this game just has so much history to it, and it it makes me feel nostalgic. So that's really fun too. Is anyone the um this new lion character? What's her her part in the story? Is she the one that was married to the original champ before Tatri? I really don't know. You'd have to. It says her flavor text is my former husband's act with the crane army, and none of your concern. So that that sounds because basically they were they were taking Toshi Rambo, and then. The crane champion came out and just assassinated him with an arrow, and she cracked the shits. So that's she's she's brooding pretty heavily with the with the Bieber haircut in the in the artwork. Yeah, I've heard that. Right, so I think that you can tune into um, the Last Province, which is a fantastic law based podcast, and they will no doubt go into that in a lot of detail. Um, there was some real. C- cool community generated stuff another uh luxury play token sponsored youtube series came out uh by uh the the legendary frotop glenn i think you watched the videos uh, like some of the newer players i i needed a refresh on what a lot of the clans were doing after being away for a month and i found i thought frotop's videos where he kind of gets a deck that's an archetype that's quite popular right now um and kind of explains what they're trying to do with the different decks firstly and then uh have a practice match to show it in action uh i think it's been really good that he's been doing that and i i i myself found it quite valuable just to learn 
why certain cards are cut or included. And I think for any players that are wanting to get better or even just, you know, for someone like me who stepped away for a month or so, it was just a good refresh to remind myself of what the meta is. Uh, yeah, I, I, they can be found on FroTop on video on YouTube uh, or on the Facebook group, and he probably linked it in the Discord as well. But he also did a really good beginner-friendly ex- explanation of all the provinces um, and neutral neutral cards in the game currently. And I thought that was a really great way to explain where those cards sit uh, in your deck-building decisions. Because I think this game, more than others, is it can be quite intimidating to deck-build for uh, when you're starting off. And so it's just nice to have some reference points because I feel like maybe in 2018, we probably didn't have as much of that reference point where you could have a deck on five rings, but you wouldn't really understand how to pilot it correctly or optimally. I think that's a really good point. Like the when you make a Magic the Gathering deck or you see a deck list online, you can kind of see the, 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 the way the cards synergize is so innate in the way that they're worded and stuff. You can kind of see how the deck's supposed to function. But with L5R, it really can be pretty mercurial. And Fro is one of the best dissectors of decks out there, in my opinion. I love those videos. I mean, I haven't watched since, you know, back when I was a noob, but um, a content creator. I, I think I just advocate for, like, for someone like me, I found the only way to learn sort of moving forward is either by, you know, getting crushed and realizing what you're doing wrong, but also seeing what the best of the best are doing and what they think about different cards or, uh, you know, decks. And you kind of learn from that experience. And so I think it's been really great. And yeah, I hope you post the next three. He's done four of the seven clans so far, and they're really good. What's really, what I find really good about those videos is how he goes through and explains everything at first, gives you the primer. Then he actually sits down and plays a game with that same deck and really gives you a run through of what's going on. So you can sort of see him put it all into practice. And you see him fuck up a couple of times and make mistakes and laughs it off, which is great because you know that, you know, L5R is a, a game of mistakes. That's what dictates who loses. Yeah, like even even really strong players make plenty of mistakes. The other thing is that, you know, people have called this current meta a lame duck meta, which is true. Like the decks that are being played now are not going to be championship decks in two, mo- two months from now, whatever, when... But they are in Children like about, I think there's almost a dozen it's... elemental championships, yep. two Kotes. So there's a lot there's two of Kotes. major tournaments that use this and also cards. Also, the lessons that are being imparted in these videos, they're to do with like fundamental properties and game style stuff that these clans have. And so that's not going to be superseded just by having new tools to add to those decks. So mm. learning the fundamentals is super, super important. And so I think those that's probably a good spot to start. Very true. Uh, just before we... We've got a, a couple of cool little segments coming up, but uh, there was one last little piece of news... Uh, it was quite complicated, and I think Glenn's going to be the person who's best to relay it. But there was a ruling on that new Warm Welcome Recursion card, uh, which has some impact for Tadaka play and other bits and pieces. Glenn, do you want to just... I don't get it. You want to talk about Warm Welcome? Yeah, sure. So Warm Welcome was a, a one-fate neutral card that's coming up. I think it's in the the Children of the Empire pack. Um, and it was a card that essentially let you uh, play an event from your discard pile if your honor bid was lower than your opponent's. Uh, You still have to pay the cost, and it really only worked on action cards um, as as it was an action itself to play. 
but uh, a question was asked to Tyler regarding whether or not you could play the card to use the effect to not play it from hand, but simply to do the rest of the effect. And the rest of the effect was if it was an event rather than an attachment or um, or a character that you can place the event at the bottom of your deck after resolving it. And so Tyler has ruled that when you do play Warm Welcome, if you can't do the effect, so for instance, on an interrupt or a reaction, and the question really was in reference to Judy, a card that says uh, when you would lose your honor, last honor, interrupt, uh, cancel that honor loss and uh, or framework step and gain one honor. And so you can now play Warm Welcome on the Judy and put the Judy back into the deck on the bottom. And so this creates recursion of some of the strongest cards in the game uh, that are events. Uh, right. So, so it'll it be well, interesting. Yeah, and I guess part of that as well, whilst um, instantly and immediately out of the box, it may not be super relevant. It might be something that has an effect on every 100 games or so. But as we start to see more tutor effects come into place, we can actually search your deck for something. Being able to, you know, the presence of a card in a deck is actually a big deal. So if you can, you know, we've got this new Poison Master who can, you know, pick poisons up so you can potentially cycle poison cards back in and grab them. And, you know, there's there's a Dragon Tutor for, for attachments. And over time, there's more ways of searching your deck to grab stuff. Um, so, yeah, so I don't necessarily see this having a massive effect right now, but I can see that it will be an important part of some broken degenerative combo in a set coming your way soon. I think it's... I think it's I think it's kind of like the Phoenix box where um, we all think that it's okay now with the amount of spells there are, but you know eventually gets to that critical mass point where the recursion of those spells becomes uh, something that may be a bit too imbalanced for the game. Uh, I think particularly things like limit one per deck cards that are events. If you do if you are going to design a recursion effect, I think you need to be a bit more careful as to how the the limited cards or the you know one per deck cards interact with the graveyard um you know you could you could just remove like you know you could just errata the card and say play judy and then remove it from the game like i don't know like i don't think that's necessary do you do you see that actually being a strong interaction no i'm just i know i'm not saying now i'm just saying for future design i just think that if you're going to offer recursion into discard piles and to bring it back into your deck you, you need to, if you're going to design really strong effects, you should have some countermeasures if you think that the card has the potential to imbalance the game. Yeah, I, think- I mean, all, all it's going to take is one card like Duty that's a spell for any clan that's splashable, and to be able to trigger that twice out of a Phoenix box, I think is what Glenn's talking about. Like, it just takes one off the cuff, super potent one off spell. Or warm, or, or something that works off warm welcome. Yeah. Like, I just think, you know, if there's an action card, you know, maybe that's why Fate Western Death is on the restricted list, for example, that if you Maze of Illusion to get your bid below your opponents on a turn, you can play the Fate Western Death that you have in the discard pile rather than looking for your second or third copy. It, it, it means that you can run less of a certain card and have a more toolbox approach. It is, it's a nice, it's a nicely designed card. I just think you need it needs to be something that's measured as you move forward. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that... for them to put like a blanket rule, like design limitation on any recursion that just removes the card from the game after use yeah that's um, that's what i'm saying but, but in this particular instance like, i'm actually glad that they ruled it this way because it adds another nifty trick to a card that already 
in my opinion, is pretty heavily taxed. Like the one fate fee is pretty sizable unless you're getting stuff back like a fate worse than death, which is super, super powerful and restricted. Um, and it's really like it's, it's got the triggering condition as well of having a lower bid, which is going to be difficult to pull off. So I like that they, they went on the side of making the cards slightly more powerful rather than slightly less with the ruling in terms of balance. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think that it will enter the game as a toolbox card and it will be a great little one of two of for quite a few decks. And at yeah, some point, sure. and at some point when the card pool hits critical mass, it'll be part of the most degenerative combo the game has ever seen, and it'll get chucked on the ban list. There'll be a new list created just for this card. But for the time oh, being, it's yeah. part of the dream deck though that heads towards a a mill deck. It's there. Uh, it's yes, closing in. Correct. Yes, I that think, is very true. I, think, um, I, I understand that argument, like slippery slope, getting to this point where there's some degenerate, uh, you know, combo style deck there as a card pool uh, as a card game because i think when you push the limits you kind of you learn your lesson you ban the cards and you but then you i feel like your design space is wider archetypes and so yeah. where yeah i feel like pushing the envelope is a good thing um, i agree i agree yeah i think it's it's totally fine to have a bunch of power effects as long as there's not just one or two powerful effects in a vacuum that massively warp the game. As if there's lots of quote unquote game warping effects, that's fine. That's just what the game is. Yeah, I think I think it's just I guess it's just one of those things where you, I'm just saying it'd be, it'd be nice yeah. if they think about these things as they move forward. And I yeah. I, I don't mind that it's strong. I think oh. we don't know what the bid meta will be like after all the new jewels come out uh, and composure because I'm I'm unsure if bid five is really going to stay much longer but I, I i often have a poor assessment of those things i think anyone who's got a very bold strong opinion on you know there's going to be no changes or everyone's only ever going to be one i think i think people need to take a step back nobody here is nostradamus uh no matter what you've theory crafted and tested once things hit the wild you wait a few weeks and it'll be crazy and then you know a new norm will be found but I think it's extremely difficult and foolish to predict what's going to happen in that yeah. space. And we yeah. should just be having fun, man. Because that's I the agree. best The best part of the card games is when you get a big injection of new cards. It's oh, so yeah. much fun to test that stuff. Isn't it just yeah. the best? Get used to that feeling, I reckon, for the next few months. Yeah. Cool. Their release schedule is going to be one of the big positives of this year, I think. I think to maintain player interest, having fresh injections monthly where you can actually tweak your deck as you go through the month, uh, through the year, rather than yeah. weekly stress of having to shift your deck. Um, it's going to be a really positive it. thing. Yeah, it's going to be really fan. good. Just, yeah. We don't I think want, it was... like, four months without a release. Like, that's that really hurts. I think yes. it was really good in the first year to give us the 6-in-6 six six a couple times, because the infant card pools are actually kind of boring in LCGs often. Yeah. And so they kind of flung us forward in time, and now return us to normalcy and i'm i'm super happy with it super happy yep right so there's actually uh we want to start i think we talked last week about focusing on a particular tournament um just you know not necessarily looking at the big cotes and and elemental championships etc but actually looking at some local tournaments from across the world and the first tournament we're focusing on is starting uh we're going to start in perth western australia my old hometown uh 
Butters, uh, you attended a tournament pretty recently. Do you want to give us a little bit of a lowdown? Uh, where was the tournament held, etc.? Uh, yeah, so this was in Stratagem in Western Australia. Stratagem is the store uh, in a suburb called Warwick. It's a bit north. It's our northern store. It's a really lovely store, good people, and it's very, very big. Um, it was decent decent turnout. We got 10 people. 10 to 11 is the standard up there. Um, and it was the second to last season two uh, prize. So the next one coming up, they would do with the, the end game with the, the playmats and everything else. Um, and that went really well. We had a, a good showing from every clan. There were three unicorns for whatever reason. Whoa. Um, yeah. <laughs> Plenty of gluttons there for punishment. Um, but uh, no, look, it, it all went very, very well. There were some, some good times had. Um, old Jack played Phoenix and he took out first place again. Um, it was actually a tie that came down to strength of schedule for for the last How many rounds for first place at the end four rounds okay four rounds for this one over the course of the day yep um and there were th four of us actually went three and one um and a lot That's of it weird. came down to was well we've got a i don't know there's a game that way like over here we all it's very competitive like it's rare for someone to go undefeated in any one tournament um there's you know you obviously like most places just the same few players in like the top five but um it was it was a really good day. Um, it always is up there. Um, everywhere over here is really good fun. Um, I played my my new cheap and nasty deck, which is um, the old Kaiden Bayushi, which I think hey, we'll get into. It's fantastic. Yeah, so I think I think we might have a, a deep dive focus on a deck in in a little bit there. But tell me about Jack. So is he he's a regular Phoenix player? Is he? No, he's Phoenix is his holiday deck. He is normally okay. a crab guy. <laughs> um yeah so he's normally all over the crowd well um his partner bruna also she plays as well she's a consistent crane player feels like she runs like a quarter cancels in her deck it's like <laughs> it's, it's, it's horrid like yeah and then yeah it, it just, i had a bad time the first time she rocked up and played there that was that was unpleasant but um no they're both really cool people um they both do quite well um, every time Jack is routinely takes the, the tournaments out between him and Aaron most of the time. Um, Aaron is uh, the, one of the unicorn players. He does very, very well. He alternates between unicorn and lion. So he's, um, you know, he's one of those people. Yes. Yeah. So um, what was the deck? What was the deck that he played? This Phoenix deck? It's honestly, it's, it's mostly pretty vanilla Phoenix. It's, it's, I think because he played, crab for so long like at one game a tournament we had a while back with him he did the old um ear chick that gives you sincerity and the broker Your yeah the, broker. the broker and I, that came off really well against me and it was bad it was terrible like he had a couple out and every turn so and all these cards were getting drawn that was pretty bad <laughs> it, was, it was pretty awful but uh, um no jack did really well one of my my mvp moment in that not that game it's the dragon player we had dylan was um turn one as well dragon so resto i went i'm just not going to do anything with my entire hand i had only four cards left and i went all right i'm going that province first hit it and i hit resto straight away lost no cards broke it and flipped mitsu out into the discard and that was just a super good feeling for the rest of that game um after that he had his alchemist on turn two and the alchemist uh got sliced to pieces by Aramoro with followed up by a pretty potent make an opening for four points. <laughs> yeah. Took him out. Yeah. It was it was 
it was unexpected and he he didn't really Aramori was dishonored then four point make an opening you're out of here see you later it was, it was super good times but um that's my my favorite card at the moment they'll make an opening we will get into shortly but yeah no look it, it's a super good place um every month i think um in wa here we're getting a new player rock up for um or every two i guess one to two months slow down a little bit we get a new player who's competitive and rocks up to all the events which is really good so the whole pool is very slowly growing um i think l5 r's and not been done enough justice to be honest across the board i think it's it's a really good game and it's just so hard to get people into it um because it's so like to sit down for an hour and a half is a massive commitment you know for when you're learning the game not sure if any of you guys remember the early days like how much yeah. you'd have to commit time wise like i remember two and a half hour games yeah but but and ben had to put up with my two hour crab games because we didn't play the time so you just grind out like seven or eight turns have a great yeah. time learning. I think I got turned um, off playing Crab and Dragon for that reason. <laughs> I just yeah. was like, I wanted to get a game done inside an hour, and that was not <laughs> happening with those two decks. Actually, uh, talking about Crab, we had another tournament at Good Games. As obviously everyone knows where Good, Ga- Good Games. We had one in Cannington here a couple of weeks ago, or last week actually, and two of our players, a new guy, Jerome, and Andrew Eaton, an old friend of Ben's and mine, um, it was Crab v. Crab round one. They got to the end of time, got to the end of... Over time, no one had broken a province yet. Wow. Just two crabs sitting there butting faces. Nothing got done the entire game. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, why so you need to tech in the, uh, tech in the, is it the three cost berserker die? heater? No, no, no. The one where if you pass a conflict, you lose a guy. Just oh, Aramora. The, oh, yeah, Aramora. the berserker. Yeah. Aramora, yeah. Just, just, just for the mirror. Just tech that in. I think in. he's actually called Amoro, which Amoro. is like, That's right. considering Amoro. there's yeah. Aramora as no, well. Yeah, quite right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, look, it was all really good. Um, I had a, a couple of really feel bad wins where duty got played, <laughs> but you, know, <laughs> was, you have to run it. One, baby. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, a good times. But no, look, it, they're really good, really good times. They always run quite long. We all have a good laugh, um, and it's it's great. I recommend anyone from WA that's listening to come and join us, or anyone that happens to be passing through Perth. We have a a competitive event at least every two weeks over here somewhere. So get in it. Excellent. I think uh, next week, or maybe not next week, but at some point in the near future, we will be having some folk from Brisbane in Queensland, which is uh, up in the, the northeast part of Australia, for those that aren't from Australia, or for those from the Tasmania and not familiar with the rest of the country. Um, we will be featuring <laughs> regional humour. Um, right. Yeah, so we will be featuring some Brizzy folks soon. But for anyone else that's around the world that has some great local tournament or, or even even like an elemental championship in Iceland or just like some tournament that gets like no airtime, just let us know. We'd love to feature it because I guess the idea is we want to, I guess, share. There's so many different experiences the community has and some people play in pubs, some people play in, you know, like gaming stores, other people play like scout halls and, you know, just if you play in an unusual location, just, you know, I think it's fun to, like, listen to how other people play this game because we're so used to playing it in a particular way. Just, and Does yeah. anyone out there play in character? That's what I want to know oh. as well. You know, I'd be curious to hear, does anyone play L5R not drinking Jackson Coke? <laughs> <laughs> I think that comes standard issue in a corset. It's a bottle of, bottle of Jack Daniels. Um, it's, yeah. where the, it's, where, it's where the two-thirds of your cards should be. 
just that hey, bottle of jerk. We should do a bit of a shout out. Speaking of playing in character, if anybody ever has the pleasure of playing Lord Shoju on Jigoku, that guy. Have you guys played Lord Shoju? <laughs> yeah, he, I have. He is so committed to his role. It's really method, and it's <laughs> you know, it's, hats off to you, man, wherever you are. Oh, he's the greatest. I think every time, doesn't matter whether he thrashes me or I beat him. I just, I just feel better about life when I play. I'm like this guy. He's he will introduce himself. Um, he and he just commentates the game as if he's the Lord of the Scorpion, and it is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking magnificent. <laughs> what if it's like? What if the plot twist is that it's Frotop just on like a break? Oh, dude, I would lose my fucking mind. <laughs> that would be a long con though. He's been doing it for like a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just love the love, I love a long con. Um, so, this deck that you played, I think you got a deck list. So something fun I want to do right, is quite often when we're you know talking about different decks and all these podcasts, we talk about very competitive, like the decks that you see the same decks all the time, top sixteen, whatever of the various Cotes, Discord leagues, what have you. Um, your deck is what I would call a wild deck. It's a deck that is found deep in the jungle. Um, and not something that you'll see every single day played day in, day out. You are one of the true innovators. I've been playing with Butters uh, many different card games, not just L5R, but a thousand different card games, Vitez, Magic, Poker, I don't know, whatever else. Um, and you've always been an innovator. Um, so I wouldn't mind you posting your deck list, which I think you have, and we'll actually provide a link in the podcast description. If you want to just shoot that across to Toradori via Discord, and Torido being the opposite of the innovator, the person who likes to take a well-worn uh, archetype and then tweak it to an inch of its life and then never, ever lose a game. Um, I, yeah, just wanna... see, I, I prefer to just shit on the people creating new decks and then <laughs> adopt their exact same strategies months later and then claim ownership. That's what I like to do. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you want to have a look at this deck, um, what I'd like you to do is just... As you see it, I want you to walk us through it, and I want to get right. your perspective on how this deck operates, how it plays, what's the ins and outs of it, and then once we've heard you like sell this deck, so the idea is you're selling this deck, you're not shitting on this deck. Okay, so I am. I'm playing the role of salesperson. You're the salesperson for this deck. Very good. And then after you've given your sales pitch, Butters is going to actually tell you how the thought he put into creating it. But for the time what's being, that, Butters is going to shut the fuck up. And you're gonna you're gonna just like sell the hell out of this deck, <laughs> isn't it? Like so you're listeners. at worlds, you're at worlds, but it's 2019 worlds, and you're playing in this deck. Aren't you supposed to believe in the product if you're a salesperson? Yes, yeah, so you believe in SKP <laughs> okay. cheap and nasty. So you take <laughs> so it so the deck title SKP cheap and nasty. Love the name. It's Kaden Bayushi, so um, yeah, like try something new, guys. <laughs> Why stick with the same old boring stronghold? <laughs> uh, okay, Province Row, Fertile Field, Secret Cache. So, Secret of Air. Upholding Authority Meditations Pilgrimage. Interesting. So, Pilgrimage instead of uh, Shameful, that's because we don't want to defend, I'm guessing. And we don't care about honoring our guys because we're playing KB. Uh, looking at the Dynasty. Three to Cow. He's pretty awesome in this build. Two for three, one. Moves around when there's dishonored dudes. Three Aramoro, three Shoju. So this is this has got a lot of murdering. Uh, and then it's got favorable ground and storehouse. So the, I like the dynasty a lot, actually. It looks pretty solid to me. So what um, is it about the dynasty a lot? What is it about the dynasty you like? I like... Holdings? Of, I love the holdings. So what are the um, holdings? 
No palace, because palace is shit in slow decks. Fuck that shit. Uh, in fast decks, excuse me. It's got the favorable grounds and storehouses maxed out. Maybe, so I like maybe, that. Yeah. This is a good when you start on nine starting honor because they kind of can allow you to bid a little lower when you sometimes need to and still fill up your hand. And favorable ground is just the sickness in Scorpion, I think. Um... I really like the Aramora and Shoju, the heavy hitters. Three hero is kind of cool too. I think now that uh, Fate Worse and Death's out of the meta, um, having hero powerful high fate expenditure effects. That's cool. Uh, let's have a look at conflict here. This is... <laughs> you got Lion Splash because you got the best splash. You got the second best splash. We're going for the third best splash. Fuck those other splashes. Uh, and two Guidance of the Ancestors. All right. Uh, why is this in the deck? You gotta use your imagination. I'm thinking this through. We're gonna we're gonna come back to that. The rest of the splash is taken up by two Legion of Ones. Huge fan of that. Really, really powerful in Scorpion. Big fan. Uh, and we got uh, Ready for Battle, which is pretty good. A little bit. It's not as good as it was uh, last month when Fate Worse and Death was around, but it's still pretty good. Three Spies at Court. Huge fan of that. Love that card in this deck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, three make an opening. That's fucking dope. Big fan <laughs> of that. So tell um, me, how do, how do you make make an opening? How do you make that card work inside the concert, in the, the this deck? Yeah, so will you use it with Shoju or Aramora to murder people? But apart from that, I'm trying to... Th to be in your favor because there's no maze where's the maze man so oh, fuck, fuck I, we don't, we reckon... don't flip coins in this game <laughs> we've got duty so you can do five to one which will get you a make an opening turn so that's one way another way is just to undercut turn one if you've got a couple in your hand so turn one i think this deck's supposed to explode you're supposed to go fast um you got beauty collector for attachment hate uh um hang on where's the restricted card here it's edict natural okay yeah yep yep forge edict super super good in kb because it doubles as a way to turn your stronghold which is super nice so yeah i think it's a pretty cool deck. it's going to be faster than your average scorpion deck so if you really love the, the red guys but you're sick of passing and and banking fate uh this is the deck for you Cool. So you missed my my favorite one of my favorite cards in there is the old Oni Mask. Oh, oh my god, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Three Oni Musk. That's fucking fan of that as well. Uh free stat pump and a pseudo cloud, but you don't have to run those which is pretty cool. Right. So um you kind of give us a bit of overview of this deck, which is fantastic. Um but I think there's some core fundamental concepts that Nathan put into what he's building this deck. He kind of talked to me about it. Nathan, do you, do you want to run through what's probably a little bit different about this deck to most decks that Bert didn't actually quite get to? Okay, so first and foremost with this deck, the you have to understand the, the developmental principle under two phases. One, spending fate on conflict cards is for chumps. And two... <laughs> <laughs> is that fate is for buying people <laughs> dude you've just taken you've taken a European wisdom and just shat all over it you know <laughs> thrown it out the window <laughs> this deck, 
and fight worse than death one on the restricted list, this deck didn't change. <laughs> that's, Wait, that's so you, fucking... had, you had this constructed before that happened. This exact... Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I do, I do like. I did. I lost. I lost my um, rumor monger. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. All right. So there's so, only like what? Apart from there's, you got your collector and guidance to ancestors. Literally everything else is free in this deck, right? In terms and of only, yeah, only, but, only mask, right? Only one. mask is free. Yeah, it's free. So absolutely every card is free. There are two Guidance of the Ancestors, which we'll get into in a moment, and there are three Beiji collectors. That's the one card that I was like, man, I don't I don't fucking get this. All right. So, 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 right, so the overall with this deck, the idea is you're drawing bulk cards as often as you can, as much as you can. You've got all the little scorpion people, you've got Fertile Field, Secret Cache, um, and all the card draw that comes with Scorpion. Um, you've got your three Imperial Storehouse. You just draw, 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 draw. And you're never going to run out of fate, right? Because you don't spend fate on your Conflict Hand. So you just you can always throw those cards out for the most part. You're always going to be usable. Um, so the more you draw, the better off you're going to be. So you throw in the Oathring. And on the flip side, there's all the hand pressure on your opponent so uh upholding authority the spies at court you hit a lot of earth rings you got some cancels in there all that stuff is super good um so going over though to the conflict side the only mask is obviously in there for stuff all the time only mask is amazing you don't have to be in the conflict to use it you chuck that has a fate um you want to lure the assassinations out of your opponent's hand so feel free to put fate on your little people so they get murdered make them nice juicy targets um yeah, i i can appreciate the liberation with having a very fate costing conflict deck because you can do stuff like play only mask and just over fate your your winners from your dynasty i like that idea yeah absolutely so we'll start so guidance of the ancestors right so there's two of them in there. It's all you need. So you want one at any one time for the most part. Um, most of the time, if you get a favored niche, you just want to turf Guidance of the Ancestors. Okay, so it's card, it's card advantage. Yeah, and, and Guidance is still available to you. Also, though, this deck, so turn one, you did five, okay, naturally. Most of the time, you will have a, make an opening in your hand, maybe two if you're super lucky. Turn two, you try to bottom out, basically. You drop yourself down to... You bid one. So then you get this massive advantage out of make an opening um, that more than makes up for it that turn. And that honor you gained in that turn is your buffer for the rest of the game. So you can start bidding five after that. Every time you bid really low, you're playing make an opening, usually to surprise murder someone with Shoju or Aramoro, um, whom you favorable ground into a conflict when they're already bowed, or you hook shot someone in with hero and skin them. Um, okay, so that's interesting. So in terms of overall strategy, you have two turns where make an opening is a big bullet, and it's turn two and turn three, right? Because turn two, you bid one. Presumably, they bid four or five or three or whatever. And then turn three, you reverse the bids and bid five again. So you have two, sometimes, two big yeah, opportunities and, to, and to, to play the card. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and it, it juggles around. Like, oh, plus the, the duty You're turn. on high honor and they're low. The duty yeah, turn you so can play it, as well. It's... It never. I mean, you have to have it in your hand before you make that play. Like, don't don't gamble. But um, it's. I, I promise you that card is immense value if you just go in there and start swinging it around. Like, it's either side of the conflict, and when you combo it with those guys that drop people down, and then sinister Soshi as well. Like, it's it takes out a lot of a lot have of. Have you thought about adding bonsais in? 
I have um, Legion of One took that place. Right. So I've also got Force Pump off Fine Katanas and Oni Muffs and Guidance of the Ancestors. Um, there's there's a fair whack in there. And I and guess ready for, enough. ready for battles protection against watering mainly. Are you worried about any particular bow effects or is it just... <laughs> yes. Well, the other thing is um, because I had a Kagan Bayushi, so many of my people are frequently dishonored. Mm. For shame also kicks your ass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So ready, ready for battle really covers it. And again, that's a card that just never, it, it's never a dead card. Like it always gets used. Um, and you have it in your hand as well. You can also just, if Shoju's got no fate left on him, you can just leave him and not worry about the watering getting through because you can just ready for battle it and keep moving on. So the idea is to get your big people and get them dishonored somehow if you need to and then start using Kyuden Bayushi. The reason we're on Kyuden Bayushi is because most of the time I'm on higher honor than my opponent because of all the shady tricks I'm pulling and the original scorpion box is dead weight when you're on less higher honor you can't do anything you know what i love about what i love about the way nathan's constructed this deck is his his quote here is that city of city of the open hand it's just dead (laughs) it's just dead dead. that's why he's using kai it's worse than the crane box (laughs) not a usable card literally does nothing (laughs) poor scorpions they got you know it's just a trash the game so so glad they got a new one so the open this is me trying to pull them out of the gutter no for sure so let me just walk very quickly with guidance of the ancestors as well though because that's actually a super important card because i've got so many dishonored people in this deck like it happens you guys dishonored your honor total is often going to get pretty low and pretty unpleasant so you can at any time pay fate, grab out, drop it on one of your guys that's dishonored, and then your Bayushi collectors can just purge it and get rid of that dishonor token um, before. And if you ever have just some fate laying around, which happens a lot in this deck, so I'll often, not having played any fate out of my dynasty, oh, I missed a very important point. Um, all your fate in the dynasty phase, never hold on to it in this deck. It's always you put all your people out with fate on them. And, and go hard. Keep a massive presence on the board and, and try to push really hard early on. And then you straighten them and keep going and going and going. None of this holding onto it nonsense. That's for chumps. I love this. So you're like teaching Scorpions. You're like unlearn unlearn how they've been playing for the last year. And just like go, no, you know what? You actually, not only do you have a Dynasty phase, your Dynasty phase is serious. A serious is like a lion or a unicorn Dynasty phase. Yeah, it's maximum. So I'll often myself out in as much as possible during my dynasty phase and then by because you know you're a seeker role and rings will pop out so by sort of turn two and sometimes you'll pass first or whatever else i'll have three or four fate left over which is frustrating right when you're in a conflict phase so now and then you just need that extra bump fate sitting there so if guidance of the ancestors just sat there in your discard you may as well just grab it and stash it on a guy with the fate you've got laying around doing nothing (laughs) and just get a bump for free like um, it also just fills some space. As I said, you turn it over with Favored Nice. You're not losing anything. It lets you just card draw. Um, Synergize is really, really solid with Baishi Collector when you've got lots of dishonored people. Um, is and- there anything in the upcoming cards that have been spoiled that you think sort of archetype that you've seen? Uh, so like, do you like the it- new poison? I, I do, but I, I, it costs fate though. Like, you, <laughs> one fate too expensive. Yeah, like I've thought about 
I don't know. Like, it's it's pretty tight. Like, owning mask you couldn't really do without because you need that blanking. Like, when someone's guest of honoring you or whatever, and you just pop it on, take out their ability, and that works all the what time. What are your thoughts on super super um, solid? Infiltrator's tools. That's the zero cost uh, attachment that you attach to a shinobi character, and it gives the shinobi character covert. It is free. Yeah, no, no. So that's, maybe, I, that's, look, I think that's, that's got value. I've got, yeah. I've got what four shinobi in here? Three, four. So maybe. Aramoro, but, I, I mean, I've the alibi artist. You don't want to give up an only mask, though, right? It's pretty critical. No, that. Well, I'd, I'd love to trade out. I don't know some other card, like maybe. I think you can make. Have you have you been able to trigger spies at court a lot? Just all the time, like okay, whatever. So three, like, you think three it's is not a. You could probably cut yeah, assassinate. Yeah, like, that, yeah, you could you could get rid of assassination. Um, sometimes it's handy to sort of get you. Well, assassination is really handy if you just want to get yourself down below six, so you can start using alibi artists. Yeah, um, yeah. as well. So just, just thinking sort of, about. I mean, you, I was just thinking about uh, making an opening right is. Once you've, because sometimes, like, you know, in a tournament, it might take you a couple of turns before you get the the dial differential. But I think once you've got that dial differential, assuming there's the jewels aren't screwing it up, you could actually use trading on the sand road, which is free, right? But it will keep. It means that that make an opening will be on for multiple turns because trading on the oh, sand yeah. road means you don't reset your dial. Yeah, now you're talking my language. So. <laughs> <laughs> You know, how, how good is Way of the Scorpion with that card? It's like, oh, you want to dishonor a non-Scorpion character, bro? But then Pick they, my card, man. But then, they, <laughs> um, yeah, sure. but then they can use the make an opening that you draw off the trade in the same. That's true. Because That's true. the differential will be the same. Yeah, I mean, the pro I, I wouldn't honestly put <laughs> trading on the sand road in this deck because everything is free, right? So my opponent's got <laughs> shit that costs <laughs> terrible. <laughs> all of my stuff costs zero. They just dump. You know, yeah, that's and, that's um, for that, that card's for loser scorpion with you know five and four cost fate cards in it. Com the fate's deck. there to buy things, isn't it? You, why would you why would you waste it on some? What about do you ever bluff, Nathan? Do you think bluffing's like is it worth holding four or three just to bluff on a turn? No, like, no, no. It, it's, this is this is not a complicated player's deck, right? You <laughs> you go in you. You bid five, so you get your handful of cards the first turn as much as you can. Then you just, if you have the right cards, you bid low. They won't because no one does. And even if they do, later on in the game, it's going to come off. So yeah. you just hang on to it, right? It seems. Or at some point, like you're going to be on nine honor, your opponent's going to be on three, and you can just bid five, and they have to bid low. And then you're going to yeah. have that differential. Like it's, it's your honor will swing back and forth all the time. In the meantime, you'll have like Aramoro or Shoju or some little chud with a ton of attachments on him, and they'll just be you know hitting Palace um, with KB. It all just works really well. Everything's there's plenty of kill in there, which always feels super good. Like the negatives, once you hit someone with Aramoro or Shoju, you're loading in you know like your Sinister Soshi, your Dishonor effects. Um, and then make an opening, and all that piles on together to give a, a lot of negatives. It's really hard to outrun. I've had heaps of success with it. It's super good. Ben had a pretty good couple of games with it as well. That was I good got times. Smashed. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. I, think... I, I strongly recommend it. It's a very liberating sort of. It's not a, a, high, a strong or high thinking deck. Like you don't really I have think... to worry too much about one it. The, like yeah, I think one of the greatest things is 
like a lot of the time people talk about L5R having all of these complicated layers. I think one of the best things about this deck is fate management, which is generally speaking one of the hardest things to do to, to kind of become a master of fate management in different decks. This deck here goes, meh, fate management, shmate management. Like it just throws that shit out the window, you spend it all in Dynasty. So that way you can actually be thinking only about how am I going to win conflicts? How am I going to break provinces? How am I going to win this game? You don't have to be thinking about all that tricky stuff about, geez, I need to get this ring because I need to get this piece of fate so I can play my watch commander and my spyglass. You know, like That's you've it. got, yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, it feels good that, like, you know, playing lots of people and playing lots of cards feels good. Right? Okay. Like, I'll, I'll finish out turn one usually having probably three people on average on the table with fate on them. So I'll have like one little chud and then two two-costers with a fate apiece. Um, and then in turn two, you start buying big giants and Kayun Bayushing them, so they hit multiple times. Everyone should have a go. And Absolutely then tear the pieces. Yeah, you might find a piece or a section of this deck or a little bit of a sub-flavor that you really enjoy that is actually quite strong or interesting to you, and then you can apply that to your deck later as well. You don't have to take the whole list and just play that over and over. Yeah. There's some cool stuff in it. I, like that interaction with Collector and Guidance, I hadn't even considered. It's really cool. So, yeah. Well, thanks for that one. Uh, thanks for that one, Nathan. Um, I think we'll get other people to... If you've got a deck out there in, in Roller Land, and you, that, a deck that's uh, outside the meta, you're, uh, you're shooting um, you know, from, from like downtown, you're like way way uh, this analogy is not going anywhere but if you've got a weird deck <laughs> um you got a weird deck that uh if you're a fucking weirdo like us <laughs> um, send it in hidden city rollers at gmail.com um or just you know our just... hidden city roller podcast uh facebook page um just send it in and uh you know give us an explanation and then i'll make sure you know, Bert doesn't see it, and we'll try and get him to sell all your weird <laughs> decks. I think it's actually it's a really good exercise because um, very often when you look at a deck list, uh, it's very very easy to critique a deck list and just go, "Oh, it's shit because of this reason, and this is bad." And you know, and by the time you finish tweaking it and doctoring it, it looks exactly like everybody else's scorpion or dragon or crab or whatever deck. And you know, you've dropped the splash and you're back to square one. To actually look at a deck and go, "All right." Why does this thing work? How can this thing work? And actually make your goal to look at these outside the, uh, you know, weird deck lists. I, yeah. I agree. And as a community, I don't think we give a lot of um, credit to innovation. Yeah. And I think this is how you innovate, right? Like you just fucking try shit. And what I would say is if you're going to submit your deck to us, um, just maybe write like a paragraph about what it's trying to do. And then I'll try and decipher what I think it's trying to do, and then we can read out what you think, what you guys think it's trying to do. That could be cool. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, I dig it. Nice. So, so um, before we before we leave you, uh, there's a couple of events that are happening. We want to kind of highlight some things that are going on um, Australia-wise. Uh, in uh, Australia Day uh, weekend, there is CanCon, which is the uh, Canberra, Australian Capital Territory. Uh, they are running an L5R tournament um i'm not sure if i'm going to be going yet but uh i'm trying to figure out a way to get there but i know there's a few melburnians going and some sydney ciders i don't know how big it'll be but hopefully it'll be good it was a great event last year so hopefully it'll be a great event this year it was one of my favorite times of the whole year last year Cancun. Oh, i loved was, it yeah it was a big what, event last year wasn't it for five rings there was 30 was. of us and there was a big 
there was, we were in Airbnb and there were six of us nerds just sitting around in our shorts with cards just strewn all about the fucking place, drinking beer games all night and day. Yeah. It was beer, that vegan, and taco. Uh, was was it that the, the, the strip I heard about? <laughs> the what? <laughs> Dude, you know, a bunch of young uh, blokes. I heard rumors. Just, I heard rumors. playing cards, you know, a few beers involved, and then, you know, just Aussie <laughs> larrikinism. Just what happens, happens. It's all good. All right. Um, <laughs> but no, it was a fantastic weekend, to be honest, uh, and I'm sure it'll be great uh, this time as well. Uh, so shout out to the folks that have uh, decided, who have... Um, take it on the mantle and trying to actually make the thing work this year um i think kp's taking a break this year but uh then also uh we do have um utaku yamada aka musamash who's going to be on the sixth ring podcast shortly she is organizing rocket and go which is a meta game it's a giant like larp as in live action role playing l5r um yeah, so that's happening in Sydney at Icon, and we'll put a link. I believe it's Icon. Um, I'll put a link in the description for the podcast today, um, and you can have a look at that. And I think that's happening in about February, but registrations have opened, and it's a big game, and it usually fills up pretty quick. Um, like there'll be over fifty people, and the idea of it, you're actually getting teams. So there's like the lion team, the crane team, the scorpion team, and you all get like goals. And, and you've got to go off with your teams and then figure out how you're going to screw over the Crane Clan or, you know... So I, I've never done a LARP. Are there... <laughs> it's going to sound like a bit of a silly question, but um, is everyone putting on, like, a bad Japanese accent? Or <laughs> how does it work? One would hope not. Uh, <laughs> um, that's a question that... I, I, that's a serious question. I just... I, I would love so to I've see I've only ever down. played in... Uh, western themed laps i've not played in a japanese themed one before but i'm sure that there are some culturally sensitive methods of ensuring you know, that you're honoring have... the culture and not uh yeah um i just you know what i'm not running a lot you can check that out you can ask her those questions and yeah Dope. okay all right, nobody else wants to comment. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> but I do know I do know they can be super fun, the metagame big team-based LARPs. So, uh, yeah. So get involved if can you, you're into that sort of thing. Can you be super meta? Can you play L5R while LARPing as L5R? <laughs> I am sure that's been done before. You can play a game of Go. Yeah. I'll get, the, I'll get my AI. Get my AI to beat them. <laughs> Do <laughs> <Deep> mind. <laughs> Get some app on your phone that you paid one hundred fifty dollars hey, for. Some solver. And I'm going to call out. I mean, I'll let you guys do some shoutouts in a second. But I'm going to call out one other tournament, which is going to be super amazing. I hope. Um, I'm going to it. I think some other folks are going to it this Saturday. So we're talking a few days after your, maybe the day after you're listening to this podcast. General Games in Malvern is having a season three, uh, very first season three. Uh, tournament uh it's going to be super fun so look that up if you're a melbourneite uh we're trying to get as many people to go as possible hopefully it'll be fantastic you guys got anything you wanted to call out shout out that tournament uh looks like it's going to be a pretty sizable crowd actually um sort of bigger one in i'm psyched yeah should hopefully be the good one to kick off uh glenn you got anything you wanted to shout out uh, just for any Australian listeners, there's a current survey up to try and gauge numbers for uh, both uh, trying to 
apply for an official code tie as well as for an unofficial nationals event. So uh, you can find that on the Facebook group uh, for Australia, L5R Australia. Uh, it's also in the Discord. And so it'd be great if you're from Australia and you or you will be in Australia this year in 2019. If you can fill that out in the next week, that'd be great just to pass on to uh, the people it needs to be passed on to because uh, we're going to try and build a, a stronger tournament scene as we head into 2019. I have one shout out. Um, yep. for This is for Simcoff. Uh, wherever you are, Simcoff, um, shout out to you for <laughs> shout out to you for once again destroying me in the group stage of a tournament and then just absolutely falling to pieces in the cup. I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, enjoy your top sixteen spot or top thirty two or whatever I scrubbed out in in the flashback cup. <laughs> so oh, you're so up, you're up against it. Charge for greater glory and Miramar Siri all on the same deck's pretty rough. Yeah, Trimple and Lion were good. They're great now, what we're talking about. Nathan, <laughs> what have you got? Yeah, no, I've lots of tournaments coming up. We're already in season three, um, and we're having in a few weeks at Stratagem again, the end of season two. So, winning the playmats, all the tokens, all the good stuff. Dead keen um, to see it. So, probably, or an element. Yeah. As well. You got an element. That would be sick. That would be awesome if Perth right. got one of those. Um, what I was going to say is there is a giant list of elemental championships um, that is available on the FFG site. I'll link it again uh, in, the, in, the, in the podcast there. But there are an absolute bucket load of elemental championships coming up. So if, in, if you're in um, Louisville, uh, if you're close to Johnny C Cards, Game Castle, Sci-Fi City in Knoxville, Y2 Comics in Fort Worth, Your Hobby Place Limited in martinsburg like there's a whole bunch of just elemental championships like look up this page and figure it out if you're in the I'm us i'm so excited or, for all the data yeah. too yeah china to man so that. two days from recording in the the shanghai Champional card game shop has an elemental championship so i'm really keen to see uh what the china met is like uh yeah so just there's Mate, all sorts it's of cheaper for me to fly there than melbourne <laughs> that might actually be true so <laughs> yeah. that's super cool i didn't even know china had a meta so that's really awesome yeah yeah um it, yeah yeah this, it's all on this list here so it's fantastic so what i would say is there is a bazillion tournaments coming up support your local your friendly local gaming store because that's what keeps this game going keep those guys going keeps us going and uh yeah uh keep on rolling and we'll catch you next week <laughs>